broadcasting from just south of Los Angeles, California. This is the Veggie Power Podcast, exploring topics relating to working out, powerlifting, and everyday advice for lifting and living well. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Contorno. All right, let's veg out. What's up, everybody? I am back. I think it's only been like a week and a half or something since my last podcast. But like I said, I am not beholden to a schedule. I am on my own time. All right, bitches. But I, so for some reason, I could not think of a fucking topic for last episode. And I was like fishing for you guys and you guys weren't giving me shit. And then the motivation came to do a podcast on motivation. And uh, it was through your guys' questions, honestly. And I didn't even really think of it. You know, it was January and like, that's when a lot of people want to be motivated and just, you know, new year, new goals, new mindset doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, I want to achieve all of these things and change my life. It could just be like, maybe I'm fucking feeling it and things need to change. And I got a lot of positive feedback. I thought it was my lamest episode to date. Like for real, I like finished it and I was like, I don't even want to fucking listen to this shit because I was just talking out my ass. But a lot of you loved it and I fucking love that. So thank you. Always, thank you. And again, all of you guys that download my podcast, I'm like over 3,000 and I'm over the moon about it. And it just humbles me every day to know that, like, I'm, you know, whether it's killing downtime on your daily commute or, you know, inspiring you to be, you know, a better version of yourself or just to learn something you didn't know before you listened to me. So thanks. On the topic of what's a hot topic, uh, last night I watched CeCe's retirement YouTube video. Um, Very sad, but very fucking cool at the same time. Very fucking cool because she's young as fuck. She's 25, I believe. 24, anywhere from 24 to 26, but I'm thinking 25. Um, She's been through a lot in her young age, and although I have not experienced any sort of the travesties that she has in her life. I've also experienced a lot, which forced me to grow up emotionally very early, a lot earlier than a lot of people do traditionally. Um, And, you know, when someone is uh, a legend or an icon or, you know, some kind of someone that is you want your kids to look up to or someone you look up to and they make a career choice or a decision, they don't have to explain themselves, but it is cool when they do. And Cece felt like she wanted to get her full story out there from her point of view. And she told it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And basically she just, you know, summed up her world and that she wants to retire so that she when she's competing, she's too focused on herself to be able to do what she wants to do and accomplish in this sport. And it's not that she's injured. It's not that she's over it. It's that she wants to be the change and she's young and vibrant and vivacious and driven enough to do it now. So why the fuck not? And that doesn't mean, I mean, I know she said she's never stepping on the platform again, but who fucking knows, dude? Like shit changes. You know, I'm sure three years ago she didn't think she was going to be retiring, but you know, I just think it's really cool that She's a real, real. 
And that hits my heart strings hard because I see so many, you know, we're in a world of influencers and to be influenced is, you know, this kind of lifestyle. And I see so many fucking shitty people out there. Like I've met them, like some of your Instagram celebrities, sorry, when you, your heroes fucking suck and I'm not naming any names, but there's a lot of people who, you know, just want to be a brand or want to sell you a shirt or use their promo code. And at the end of the day, they're not someone who genuinely cares and wants to give back in a meaningful way or cares more about like what's going on outside of their phone or their likes or their social media. And she is just one of those people that you can feel it, that it, it's all coming from a place in her heart that she just wants this community to be better. And I think it's so cool. Like this community is growing so large, so rapidly. Every meet you go to, like 50% of people, it's their first fucking meet. Powerlifting is not done getting bigger. And the fact that there's just, you know, a couple federations that kind of monopolize and get to dictate all of the rules for how we all get to perform you know, sometimes sucks. And she wants to create a different federation with a different style of rules and a different focus um, that's not as, you know, weight class based. So I just, you know, I'm talking a lot about her because I'm hats off and applauding her for being a genuine and authentic role model. Um, She's younger than me. She's fucking stronger than me. And, you know, I, she's someone that I respect deeply for all of the hard work she puts in and all of the hard work she's going to put in in a different avenue and that's giving back and that's fucking cool. So that's kind of my, that's that. <laughs> um, I'm still, you hear that noise? That's my dog, Sammy, itching his ears. He moans when he itches his ears and it's weird, <laughs> but it's adorable at the same time. Meadow, our dog, is uh, on a upswing from another downswing. Um, last week, again, we thought we were going to have to put him down. He's the dog who died wolf. That's what I keep saying. It's fucking sad, but it's true. Um, he had another stroke, and now he only can make left turns. So if he wants to make a right, he goes in a circle to the left to make that right. But you know what? He's. It took him like three or four days. He like kind of finally started getting up again, can go down the stairs again. And he's much, much slower, and he's a little more fucked up the last time, but he's still in there. So... Day by day, Metal, let's do this. <laughs> and in the news else, uh, LA Fit Expo was just this past weekend. I had a client that competed. He fucking killed it. And the LA Fit Expo is always like an overwhelming experience for me. Um, when I'm there, you know, when I'm at a meet, I'm really trying to focus on my athletes. I did get to bebop around a little bit and see some of the things that were going on. Um, but really, like... That kind of environment is not my forte. Like when Steven and I left, we were like, what level of that are we? You know, from the people waiting in line for you to take your picture to the we got a booth and we're selling shit to the we're walking around taking pictures with other people. I'm like, we're the kind of people that want to get the fuck out of there as soon as we're done doing what we're doing. <laughs> because, I don't know, we've never really been about like capturing uh, Instagram fame or whatever the fuck it is. It's like... I'm there for the fucking weights, y'all, because that's what our lives are about. So that leads me right into this episode. So I knew, I don't know why, like the next day after I recorded that motivation podcast, I'm like, fuck, I know exactly what I want to do for the next one. I want to do couples and training. And I actually already have ideas for my next two podcasts. Uh, The next one, I want to do boundaries, um, which is something I've personally been doing a lot of work on the past year. Um, So I have a lot of great insights and strategies and 
basically empowering verbiage about boundaries. Um, and then I was thinking, still on the fence, about doing one ask Stephen whatever you want to ask, and then I will have him as my guest. People always ask, do you have guests? And I'm like, well, editing is annoying, and I wanted to do this podcast for fun, and I never wanted to like make it a project, but I would like to have my husband on here. Although that motherfucker doesn't listen to my podcast, which kind of irks me because I feel like he should because I put a lot of work into this and I want him to hear it. And maybe he's just a lazy motherfucker, but go yell at him and tell him that he needs to listen to his wife's creative outlet. So couples, I should start on a lighter note, right? Um, So I want this to be said that I am entitling this, you know, couples in athletics, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But what I'm going to talk about is something that can transcend beyond the gym. All of the topics and semantics that I'm going to indulge in can be translated to insert hobby A here or hobby B here. For example, um, I'm not going to mention names, but prior to doing this podcast, I called my friend And he is very, 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 very into photography. And he is expanding his photography skills and, you know, becoming, he wants to be the fucking best. He wants to possibly change his vocation. He wants to start getting paid work. He wants to do, you know, things where people admire his work. He wants it to be on display. He wants to be the best in his chosen field. And, you know, we had like a 15 minute conversation and I just asked him like, Hey, you and your fiance are not into the same types of hobbies. So I want to know how that affects your relationship. So I was kind of probing and digging to see if some of the things that I've experienced in my life or seen with other people, um, have, you know, does it translate? And absolutely, like his whole entire, everything he told me, I could just apply it to the gym, the gym, the gym of just, you know, two people having two different hobbies that involve a lot of time and commitment. So this doesn't have to just be about the gym if that is not your sport of choice. Now I want to sort of preface the majority of things I'm going to talk about with the level of commitment. So if You like Zumba and, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you go do your Zumba and you come home and, you know, that's it or, you know, whatever hobby or activity that it is. And it's just kind of like something that fits into your day. Most likely it's not really disruptive as a couple being together and having two different hobbies. Um, There are polarizing characteristics of certain sports, i.e., Bodybuilding. Let's start there. Uh, They call it the most selfish sport in the game because it fucking is. I'm married to one. Um, Man, I don't know if I want to like dive into that first or (laughs) go into other shit. I think I'll dive into that first. Um, So let's talk about bodybuilding. Um, It is an all year round sport. Um, To be in an elite level of any type of athletics, it is not just a seasonal thing. It is not just, oh, it's fucking football season. It's whatever. You know, it is you live, breathe, eat, sleep, and shit, your sport. Maybe it is your profession. Right now, I would 
kind of consider myself a professional athlete in the sense that I have set up my entire world around the sport of powerlifting, um, my training schedule, my job, owning a gym, all of those things. Yes, I'm a physical therapist. Yes, I went to school for that, but I am using my skill set as a doctor of physical therapy to blend into my powerlifting career. So it's like, it's it's not a seasonal thing. It is all year round. It is I go from the platform into my off season and I fucking take my off season isn't like, oh, I get to gain 30 pounds and like not try as hard. That's awesome. It's like my off season is what I fucking try harder because guess what? That's where the gains are made. If you've listened to any of my other episodes, I fucking harp on that shit all the time. Um, but bodybuilding... Now, my husband pisses me off probably daily by saying, it is so much harder than powerlifting. Like, oh my God, you have like no idea like what bodybuilders have to like go through to like fucking be on their underwear on stage. Like, oh my God, I'm exaggerating, but not really. So it, the amount of physical highs and lows, ups and downs you have to do to be a bodybuilder to bulk and to cut is just, it, it is harder. Yes. Um, which is why I don't fucking do it because it fucking sucks. It's not, it, it's hard to have and maintain any sense of normalcy as far as a social, um, life goes and also be at an elite level in that sport. That's why I was always like mediocre with it. Mostly because I was an af- ad- active bulimic, but you know, if you listen to my podcast on that, I told you all about it, but it, so that sport in and of itself takes a lot of, we'll call them latitudes, from the other partner to be able to understand what that person is going through and also know when it's time to be hot and be cold. So I'll give some examples. So when Steven is in prep, he told me not to talk about him in this podcast, but I already done crossed that line. When he's in his off season, he's bulking. Like right now he is bulked up to like 280 fucking some pounds. As far as sleeping goes, I barely can sleep because he snores so loud. He wakes up in the middle of the night um, with his food kind of regurgitating up his throat and he's choking and um, coughing and tossing and turning and making a lot of noise in his sleep. And I am a very light sleeper to the point where like I wake up if the dogs like shake in their crate. Um, So my sleep is highly disruptive because of his chosen sport. He, when he's like 240 pounds, he doesn't have those abnormalities during his sleep. Maybe he snores a little bit, but it's nothing like Um, what it is now. He did get a CPAP, but the CPAP is so uncomfortable to sleep in that he can't even use it. So, I mean, what can I do there? I I can do nothing. Um, Every once in a while, if he's like really like choking bad, it's because he's stuffing his face with so much food, his like body can't process it. Um, He'll go sleep on the couch and that's like cool for me, but it also sucks because I want to be, you know, in the same bed as my husband. Um, You know, during our normal routine, he has to eat at very frequent intervals, very specific food, and sometimes that doesn't give a lot of flexibility with our schedule. So we've worked out a system where you know we can keep his food hot for up to 10 hours. We can keep it cold if we need to, which gives us a little bit more freedom with like traveling and things like that. Now I say traveling, I mean like going in the car and driving somewhere for the day. Traveling for him, it's very, very stressful. It's very frustrating. We always have to get an Airbnb with the kitchen so that he can make and prepare his foods. So basically, it's like any aspect of our life. It's like having a kid, 
right? Not that Steven's the child. It's that bodybuilding's the child. When you go somewhere, you don't just think about you and yourself and, you know, you pack you and you get ready. It's like you need to pack for your child because your child can't do it on its own. When you pick your location, you have to pick a location that's, you know, convenient and accessible for your child. When you go to a restaurant, it has to be somewhere your child can be. So it's like having that extra layer is something that if you are in that sport and you want to be at an elite level and it's something you do day in and day out because you're trying to improve and be the best, your partner has to be willing to accommodate those aspects. As far as powerlifting goes, I would say that I'm pretty self-sufficient in my sustainability of my sport, but I also have times where I wouldn't say powerlifting is seasonal, but it's not as an all-encompassing sport, especially with my food since I don't um, like diet hardcore so much anymore. Um, It's more just like when I'm in prep, I don't want to fucking be bothered when I'm at the gym, which is very hard. And if my clients are listening to this, I'm not singling you out and I love you all, but this is how I feel. Um, You know, I have a lot of athletes and I'm accessible to them by phone whenever they need me. And I say the caveat of whether I'm treating, training, or sleeping. When I'm with a client that's paying me for physical therapy, I do not look at my phone. When I'm at the gym, I 100% try to not look at my phone. And when I'm sleeping, I turn that shit off as well. But I have clients that train at my gym. And when I'm there, it's very hard for them to not be tempted to come up to me and say, Mama B, what does this mean? Mama B, what does that mean? Mama B, help me with this. Mama B, look at that. Which, when I'm not in prep, fucking cool. I don't give a shit. But when I'm in prep, I am there to do one thing and one thing only, and that's fuck shit up. So I get, I um, I remember during Boss to Boss and uh, prep for the San Diego Fit Expo, I would probably send emails like once every two weeks about like, just, I'm sorry, but please leave me alone at this time. Um, because basically that's my job, right? Like I go to the gym, I fucking punch in and I'm not trying to get disrupted while I'm working because I have a goal. My lifts take anywhere from two and a half to four hours. And when I'm getting interrupted, you know, it's taking me out of my mind state of that sheer fiery focus that I need to fucking be the best because that is my goddamn goal. And it's to be the fucking best. And I can be a little bit of a bitch about it, but so catch me in the off season, y'all. <laughs> um, So, but us working together, so I'll get to that because the questions you guys gave are honestly fucking amazing. And I don't really think I need to get into too many anecdotes of my personal life as much as I do need to just address um, these questions. But I did want to say one more aside of something that I've experienced in my personal life um, and also something that I've seen in other people's lives with similar and or different hobbies. So if you are someone who is in that extreme level, that high commitment elite athlete, not just like you like to go to the gym and work out, it is like you are, you know, whether it's like professional golfing, photography, bodybuilding, powerlifting, soccer, like any type of athletics or something that takes a large commitment of your time, it is like you're in a relationship with that hobby. I am in a relationship with powerlifting. Steven is in a really romantic relationship with bodybuilding. I think it's more romantic than him and my relationship, to be honest. 
Um, it is, you know, you have to give that relationship time, you know, like a kid, we can go back to that example, but I don't think you have the same kind of love for a child as you do for your chosen sport or hobby. So it's more like a love that you would love a partner. So we're going to call it like your, you know, your, your other, you're in a polyamorous relationship now. And, you know, that needs time to cultivate, to stay happy, right? And your other partner, your actual partner needs time to cultivate, to stay happy. So when you get to that polarizing end of the elitist, you know, very, very high end of trying to be the best of the best in a sport that takes a ton of time commitment, I will say this, if your partner is not on that level or has never had something that they are that passionate about in order to personally relate to what you're going through and you're experiencing and how bad you fucking want it, it's going to be hard. <laughs> like, hard, hard. Because they are going to feel that you are giving more time, energy, and effort to this other love of your life than them. And... I don't know, you know, I have some gay friends and I've talked to them about their polyamory and it's it's a very different kind of community and how they date different people. But it can never be just, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend, and then they have another partner. It's got to be a relationship where everybody's informed about what's going on. So similarly with your chosen hobby or sport that you are very committed and dedicated to, if your partner cannot relate or does not feel that they are somehow in inclusive or get to share that with you, it can become very difficult. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I am saying it creates a degree and level of jealousy that is hard to overcome, unless it is your fucking job. Now, if you're like, I'm clocking in nine to five and I'm a fucking boxer, MMA, and I go, you know, I eat breakfast and then I go for my cardio. I go home, I eat, I come back, I go for, you know, some ground and pound, I eat, I go back. So that's different and that's understandable and that's your career. Now, if you have a nine to five and then, you know, you go to your other boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever, which is your chosen hobby, it does get hard. So I've experienced that myself, and I know other people who've experienced it, and it's just, it's sad because you feel like you have to justify why you love the thing you do love that much. And it's hard because you can't, you know, why do you love your husband or wife? It's like, how don't I love my husband or wife? That's why they are my partner. It's I could name a million ways. And you know, that's the way that I feel about my chosen sport. That's the way that Steven feels about his chosen sport. And I couldn't ever take that from him. Sometimes I fucking want to, but you know, that's what makes him happy. And I feel like I would be stealing, I would be making him give up something that's equally as important as our relationship if I made him choose, you know, myself or bodybuilding. So circling back around, I'm inciting this podcast, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So let's get into some good. Some good and amazing things are, you know, when your partner and you, so I'm going to mostly relate this to the gym. I ain't going to get on any more tangents about fucking bowling or whatever, backgammon. Um, when you and your partner both are, you know, intensely in love with being in the gym, whether you each have your own sport or not, like it can be a, 
excellent and motivating thing. If you and your partner are both into poetry and you go to poetry reading nights, it can be an excellent and motivating thing. Having a connection of something that you enjoy that takes a lot of time out of your day and you get to share that with your partner is very fulfilling. It can also be motivating in that you guys can push each other. You can then create social dynamics with other people who have similar hobbies. Um, You know, I would say in college, like, I don't really get along or I don't really have like a lot of friends in college because I like the gym and they all like drinking. (laughs) Um, So it was like you, you know, you are the sum of the people that you hang out with, right? Um, So if you hang out with people who do the same things that you do, it's more cohesive than having, you know, a lot of different social dynamics going on there because then you guys can, you know, share similar experiences. Right now with South Bay, we call ourselves a family because we all fucking love the gym, not just South Bay. We just love the gym and we all love that we can share these experiences together and do things together. And we all have the common denominator of like, we're all fucking lifters and we're all pretty serious about this. We don't go to the gym to fucking take selfies with our shirt off or hit on chicks or dudes and, you know, like look cool for the gram. Like, yeah, that's all by proxy. But the real reason why we're there is because we're passionate about what we do and that's lifting weights and that's fucking cool. Another good thing is maybe initially you are into the gym and your partner is not. And because of your, you know, love for working out or your sport or whatever, you motivate your partner to do so. I have met a lot of chicks who got into powerlifting because their boyfriends powerlift. And I think that's fucking awesome because a lot of women still today in 2020 are intimidated to go into the weight room. And I would say more at commercial gyms than anything because there's definitely like uh, a line of demarcation between like checks on the cardio equipment and, you know, resistance, secularized resistance machines, and then dudes in the free weights and shit like that. Um, whereas you go into a powerlifting gym and it's definitely more universal and there's not that dividing line. So a lot of women feel comfortable going into the gym and learning, being taught by their boyfriends or partners. Hopefully they're not a fucking quarter squat and they actually teach you how to, but I I think it's cool that, you know, someone's motivation or someone's desire to perform can spark that inspiration in someone else. So that's another definite positive. The bad and the ugly. I've touched on a little bit of it, but we'll get into more with these questions. So first question, mention being in prep together and running PEDs together. The struggle is real, y'all. So I kind of have experience with this a little bit. Um, Steven and I have not yet done preps that run, that coincide with each other. We choose not to because we lean on each other a lot. Um, I am going to use our relationship a lot as an example, because I think it's pretty dynamic that we're both really into our sports and we have different sports. Um, we, he needs me to help him through prep, whether it's, you know, helping him with his food, you know, when he's got fucking prep brain and he can't remember if his socks go on his feet or his hands to, you know, do things like that. And also you get to a point where like, as a bodybuilder, you're in prep and your body fat's low and you're eating so little and you're so fucking tired that like, it's hard to stay on task, on track and stay motivated. And, you know, that's what, 
you know, your partner's there to do. Like sometimes I would remember going to the gym with him and like, he's like, you got to help me with fucking hamstrings. You got to just fucking do it. And like, I'd help him with hamstrings or like making sure he poses after his workout, like holding him accountable. Now, if I'm in prep, um, I am so focused on my own bullshit that I don't give a fuck what he's doing and vice versa. So we lean on each other and, um, with performance enhancing drugs adds another layer of intensity and, um, emotional intensity that can sometimes not necessarily blend well. So I will say this, I know bodybuilding couples and powerlifting couples who have prepped together. Do I think that Steven and I would be great if we were in the same sport prepping together? Yes, because then you have a shared unity that you're both going and struggling through the same exact thing for the same exact goal if you're doing like a same competition. Um, But then you do lose that small aspect of helping each other because you're a little bit more focused on your own journey and you don't have as much available energy physically and emotionally to help the other. So I think that that could be very good as a strategy as a couple to do a similar show together because then you get all of the highs and lows at the same time and you get to experience them together, which can be bonding or it could potentially be fucking disastrous. Now, I don't know couples who, well, I would say the couples that I know that have prepped together, like obviously people hide um, or don't show all of the things, unless you're like, it's your best friend or something. So it's hard to really know how good or bad it is. But I've coached a few people who've done competitions with their partner. And I get to know these lifters pretty intimately and how their relationship and their prep is going. And it's actually pretty fun um, to do that. So not too sure about bodybuilding because I haven't been super close with people who bodybuilding prep. I know we have a friend, a couple that's planning on doing a show together. So we'll see how that turns out. But adding the layer of performance-enhancing drugs. So, like, honestly, I guess I'm just going to talk from Steven and my perspective. The biggest thing that um, becomes an issue with us when either of us are on cycle is, like, so for him, with a male, because they're taking these um, estrogen-suppressing drugs, it kind of kills or decreases their level of empathy or the ability to be, you know, empathetic towards something else or someone else. And, you know, all of the other nuances, you know, a little bit of a short temper, um, you know, that little self-centeredness and, you know, a little bit more ego, a little bit more confidence, um, a little bit more stubbornness. So I'm not saying that these are all like, oh my God, you get on drugs and you're just like a fucking asshole. But it's like the... Steroids enhance a lot of the great aspects of your personality. Like take your personality as it is right now and amplify it by 10. That's you on gear. Um, So if, you know, you get mad if someone cuts you off, like you might get fucking mad if someone cuts you off. You know, you get, you're stubborn and you don't want to fucking do something that you're asked of. You really don't want to fucking do it. So it's like if a partner is if you know you're on gear together which Steven and I overlapped I would say for probably like a month and it got a little hard because I'm super stubborn and very very stubborn when I'm on gear and I 
so if he's like kind of being an asshole and then I get mad, I don't want to drop it. So then I'm a bitch. And then he's cold to me because I'm being a bitch to him. And it's this vicious cycle where it's kind of hard to step outside yourself and just be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm being a little not myself here. So let's just take it down a notch. You kind of lose that ability or it becomes very latent. Now, does this happen to everybody? Absolutely not. Am I, you know, speaking from my own experience and kind of generalizing? Yes. But when Stephen and I were kind of overlapping our prep together, I just noticed that it's it's harder for us to kind of be on the same page because we're both on our own pages. And that detracts from us, you know, paddling the boat together as they're both trying to paddle in different directions and it doesn't quite work as well. Um, it also, like I said, when you're in prep, you're focusing on you and it's hard to really, you know, take time, care and consideration for the things that your partner's going through. So that's why we really like to stagger our competitions. And I mean, Steven competes way less frequently than I do. So I make sure that I try not to be, you know, preparing at the same time he is. Now, I will say this year I am competing May 30th and he's competing in like the middle of July. So we will have an overlap of like a month again during the end of my prep and the beginning of his for like actually like two months. Um, But I honestly think the more we do it, the more cycles I've done, the more cycles I've seen him do, the more we get better at working together. So we talk a lot about, you know, we're totally open and honest about what we're doing. It makes, it would not be cool if he didn't know what I was going through or what I was doing and vice versa. I don't know how partners don't tell the other what they're doing as far as cycles go, but that doesn't work out too well. Um, but uh, the only other thing that I would say, like sometimes that's weird and maybe this is just me. I don't know. So depending on the type of drug that I am ingesting, it changes my sexual drive. Um, For example, the first cycle I ever did, this specific type of steroid, um, actually lowered my sex drive. And I was like, I just wasn't like wanting to have sex, which for me as a young female is not that normal. Um, And a lot of the drugs, almost all the drugs that uh, males do make them much more excited for the bedroom activities. So that can be a mismatch or disconnect that could create a little bit of troubles. Um, so that, you know, just like kind of working through and getting better together. And at the end of the day, being open and honest with your partner, but when you're on gear and you're in your own little mindset, sometimes it's hard to be open and honest because you're in that different frame of mind. So if one of you is, and one of you isn't, in my opinion, I would say that's better, but it is hard to prep together. Okay. Do you ever, and how do you handle disagreements on training methods, styles, theories, etc.? Um, I think this comes with emotional maturity. If you're with someone who is, you know, trying to give you advice or tell you their opinion, and you're not feeling it, and it kind of causes like a riffraff then I feel like there's kind of a disconnect of emotional maturity, maybe for the person that's trying to give advice to know that their advice isn't needed or wanted. Um, I actually personally know a couple that had gone through this in the past, but if, you know, so my training style is completely different than Steven's training style. Um, it's a little different in our relationship because Steven, um, 
I know he's just doing like crazy bodybuilding bullshit, but at the end of the day, he respects a lot of the things that I say because of the level of education that I have. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, but then there's some things that, you know, we disagree on. We'll say he thinks that everything in bodybuilding is harder. And at times I disagree with that notion and a matter of opinion doesn't necessarily need to be a, a fight that you need to go down the road of impossibilities and explore every single way that it could and should and would be. But I would say that, you know, if you think your training style is superior and your partner maybe necessarily doesn't agree or they try your program and they don't like it, you know, that takes emotional maturity to accept that, you know, this isn't the right thing for me. And how do I tell my partner that without offending them? Just say like, this may be great for you, but honestly, like, I ain't fucking digging it, and that should be okay. We're still going to go to the gym together, but I just don't want to do your 531 bullshit. Trend dick, and how do you deal with it? Well, you make that shit go fucking Hollywood. I kind of touched on that a little bit. Uh, If you don't know what trend dick is, I wasn't going to elaborate, but I will. So when a man does trend, it turns him into some kind of animal that is like something you've never seen. Real trend makes a man like sexually perseverate in a way that is kind of uncontrollable. Um, I've talked to and heard stories from multiple men who've experienced very similar symptoms where it's like they're just so um, basically like you just like think about can't stop thinking about sex 24 fucking seven and that's all you want. Um, I mean, honestly, I just told Stephen like just fucking jack off all the time. I'm available when I'm here, when I'm not, do whatever the fuck you got to do, boo. Do you, boo. Like literally, do your fucking self, okay? How do you balance life together and owning and operating a business together? So this is very specific to just Steven and I. Um, let's see. So life together and owning and operating a business together. This isn't something, I don't know. So sometimes, like when we think about it, um, we don't really have a line between like, oh, this is Stephen and Ashley as business partners and this is Stephen and Ashley as husband and wife. I feel like it's because of the type of business that we own is so near and dear to both of our hearts. It's like another extension of us. Like, you know, we, it's like our child. <laughs> so it's like we care for and take care of this child together. It's not like when you, you know, start a family and have a kid, it's, you as adults and then you as parents, your parents all the time, 24-7, I mean, at least until that kid is 18. So, I mean, the gym is only two, so it's still a fucking baby. But, um, you know, honestly, when it comes to the gym, Steven and I have very, very different skill sets. Ooh, speaking of the gym, I might do a podcast on owning a gym, um, opening a gym, because... Honestly, in the fitness community, I get a lot of fucking questions about, like, how did you do it? And um, I will be open and talk to you guys about what it takes uh, financially, emotionally, physically, and all that stuff. So look for that in the future. Um, But our skill set is very different in the sense that Steven kind of, like, sees a solution or sees the end to an idea or a problem or something. I see that end. But I also see every single step along the way, which is very different. Um, For example, say, we need $100,000. Steven's like, ah, we'll fucking, we can get $100,000. Like, we'll figure it out. And my mind just starts going off like a mad scientist of all the ways we can get $100,000. You know, what what it's actually going to take to accumulate that amount of money. So 
in that respect, we both are very, very good at, you know, giving the other partner the reins when it comes to something that is not our wheelhouse. Um, I will be honest, like I do the, I do like 95% of the gym. Um, it is basically all of my skill set. Um, you know, the HR, the marketing, the, the billing, the, all that, but also I've changed my career to a way that I have time to manage and do all those daily operations and things like that. So, you know, what Steven does is, you know, the physical things in the gym, when something needs fixed, when something needs put together, you know, we had to build three bathrooms in our gym. Like those are not my skill sets. I could not do those on my own. And that's all of the things that, you know, we balance each other out in that way. Um, do we fight about the gym? Yeah. Is it less now? Yeah. Because something this will, I'll talk about this in my boundary podcast more, but like I've learned to not fight over roads of possibilities, meaning like, well, what if we did this? And then what if we did that? So like really diving down those rows of what if, because well, what the fuck if? Like, if that's actually becoming true, then we can talk about it. Um, that's something I kind of used to get riled up about. Um, and now I don't as much anymore. So our life together, you know, now that the business is a little bit older, we don't have to worry so much. When we had our neighbors, those fucking cunts that uh, were trying to sue us and all that shit, that was really stressful. And it put a lot of stress in our relationship because like 24 seven, we were fucking worrying about the gym. But you know, at this point, the gym, you know, all the people that are there, we know you guys, it's not our gym. It's our gym. Like when people say like, oh, the gym that I go to. No, the people that come to South Bay, they say my gym. Like, oh, look what we got. Cause it is all of our fucking shit. That gym is not Steven and my gym. Like, yeah, we fucking bought the shit and put it there, but that gym would be nothing with all of the people inside. So it is your motherfucking gym. So it's a little different in that sense in that it's actually easy for us to have that business. We do work well together in knowing our roles and staying in our own lane. My boyfriend will never go to the gym with me, but he goes on his own. I'm worried it's because I'm stronger. I actually had an ex-boyfriend who very, very similar. So I know the gym that you go to, the person that asked this question, your gym is pretty small, but you also go to a fucking cool ass powerlifting gym. Um, so my ex-boyfriend would not go to the gym with me at all. And it would fucking piss me off. And this was at the time I was bodybuilding and I would be like, and he lifted. He was a wrestler in high school and he had like he had like a little shop. This is when I lived in Ohio. And in his little shop, he had like a, a power rack and a bench and dumbbells and all the shit. And like, we would work out there together every once in a while. But at that time I lifted in Titans and Manor and which was very close to where he lived and where his shop was. And he wouldn't fucking go. And it took a long time for me to finally get it out of him of why he wouldn't go. And a lot of men have this complex. So when you train at a gym that is historically renowned or known or has any kind of reputation for strength athletes or bodybuilding, men who aren't very um, self-confident in their strength or their body or feel like they need to fit a stereotype to go to a gym like that don't want to. So he felt intimidated physically um, to go into that environment, even though it's just a motherfucking gym and no one would have thought anything different 
about him or to him for going. And I think it would have enhanced our relationship if he would have gone with me. Um, a lot of people have that image of South Bay where because we're a powerlifting gym and there's a lot of strong people that live there, they feel like you have to have a certain level of strength before you can walk in those doors. Or people feel like they have to be X amount of strong before they can step on the platform and do a powerlifting meet. No. You get strong by doing those things. You set goals by doing your first meet and you figure out how to compete. Now, bodybuilding is different. If you, you know, have a goal of you want to lose 80 pounds and then do a bodybuilding competition and you want to step on stage now, probably not the best idea because bodybuilding fucking sucks. Um, ever had wildly opposing views on lifting? Um, not really. I mean, Stephen and I definitely follow different programs, but it's because we have different goals. So I've encountered people in my life that have had different, very different views on lifting. But again, I feel like it's that emotional intelligence where whether it's lifting, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, where you can see and hear that person's point of view. And although you may not want to accept it and internalize it as your own or something you want to embody or follow, you can just take that at face value and say, I appreciate you for you. And you keep doing that, you know, and move on being a lifter and having a partner who is not a lifter. So I kind of touched on this a little bit, but I do feel like this can create a big divide um, of jealousy and that you are pouring yourself so much into a sport that someone doesn't understand. Now, say you guys have different hobbies or whatever, but being in the gym is a different social cultural environment in the sense of some gyms, you know, there's like buff ass dudes with their shirt offs or fit ass chicks with their shirt offs or, you know, things like that. There, there is a very sexualized notion of people with fit bodies and some gyms have those type of people. Some gyms don't like, you know, Planet Fitness is on this platform of we accept everybody unless you're one of those people. <laughs> um, and, you know, so if someone does not understand that culture of lifting, there can definitely be an air of jealousy or tension that can result from that being your chosen hobby and or something you're very passionate about um, because it they don't understand the reasons why you're there and they see this you know alternative sexualized image or those are the things that they're thinking especially with like Instagram and stuff nowadays that's what people see and you know the fit girl booty workouts so it's like I can definitely see how that creates tension I don't necessarily have a solution for it. Um, if it was me and I had a partner that like, well, I wouldn't have a partner that wasn't in the gym because it's such a huge part of my life. No one could understand if they didn't share a similar passion. And honestly, like, not that I'm vain and wanting to be with someone who's into fitness because I used to be into fucking cycling, but having an active lifestyle is a lifestyle. And, you know, having someone that shares that same, you know, desire to have a level of activity is, you know, common interests. Um, I don't know if I went into this before or not, but I will do an aside about my ex-husband. So he was not into fitness. We literally were polar opposites. And what I did throughout our entire relationship is I convinced myself that it was a great idea that we were so different because think about it, you guys, in 30 years, when we're still married, we both have different interests that we can, you know, keep each other busy by doing. And like, I think about that now and I'm like, what? You sound like a fucking idiot. 
Like I really thought that by us having different interests, we, you know, because if you have the same interests, you get fucking bored of each other. So it's like how, you know, how long can you do activity A together before you want to find activities B and C to do fucking separately, right? So that's what I thought was going to be, you know, our fucking thing because the the old adage of, you know, that old ball and chain just trying to get out the house to get away from her. When you actually love the person you're with, you want to do everything with them. So that tells me a lot there. And it was literally me trying to convince myself that 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 was the key to a successful relationship was to have different interests so that you could have your time together and your time apart and it would make that time together more special. What a fucking idiot. I mean, now I'm with Steven and it's like, we are such, we are so similar at times. Like, it's like, I feel like we're sharing a brain and I couldn't ask for a better partner because we are so similar. We understand each other on such a deep level when it comes to those things like our emotions and our hobbies and things like that, that he literally is the perfect partner. And I want to share all of those things with him together, not, you know, the most passionate parts of my personality and my hobbies I want to share with him, not separately from him. Um, one thing I feel like if... Some say you guys are in the same sport and one person takes it seriously and one person doesn't. I do feel like that can create an issue because quite possibly not like taking it seriously, but has a different level of commitment to a hobby or sport. Um, They might look down on their partner as not trying as hard or really not giving a fuck or not giving it their all. And then maybe that's all the fucking that's all that person wants to give. So fuck you. I don't want to do more. Like I'm happy. Like when I was a bodybuilder, like I was happy with being a mediocre bodybuilder. I didn't want to fucking do what it takes to be a pro because that is unappealing to me. I just wanted to do it because I love fitness and I wanted to have a goal. And, you know, and I feel like that could create, you know, a riff kind of, it's like, if you're going to do it, you better go all in. But you know, also if you have a person that's understanding and you're like, yeah, I want to take it seriously, but this is my level of seriousness and that should be okay. Microblading is not an excuse to skip leg day, Jenilyn. Leaving it there. That's kind of an inside joke. Um, advice for a couple where one partner is experienced and the other is starting over. Okay. So kind of similar, but not, um, I feel like this needs to be a very open communication because if, so, uh, for example, Steven wants to transition into powerlifting after bodybuilding. Now I, sometimes I, I say to people like, do you want some unsolicited advice? Well, I'm going to give it to you anyways. I don't want to be overbearing. If he doesn't want me as his coach, or if he doesn't want to follow my training style or do conjugate, then I'm not going to force him to do that. I want him to find the journey that makes him feel comfortable in pursuing those dreams. Because what I've noticed is, and as a coach as well, when you have a hobby or passion, say it's the gym, and all of a sudden you become disheartened to even go in the gym. It seems like a chore. You just don't want to. You're finding excuses not to go and all of those things. And you've lost your passion for that or your motivation. And maybe it's time for a change or refresher, a different course of action, or maybe just to discontinue that altogether. I would never want to push someone so deep in a direction where they feel like, they're so reliant on what I'm doing and what I'm thinking that they can't do it on their own. And I had experienced that a little bit when I first got into powerlifting. Um, I was kind of being guided 
by uh, a group of lifters and a friend where I had no fucking idea what I was doing. And I was doing conjugate and I didn't know then that it was conjugate. They didn't tell me it was conjugate. They just set up the bar and set up the chain, set up the bands and was like, go do this. And then when it, when that had ended, I kind of was like, oh, well now what? I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and, uh, so I don't like that. I like, you know, the student to, to be a learner and to learn, to be able to be independent, to end up being a teacher. So, I would say that should be a open dialogue and communication of does that partner just need support or do they want guidance and only give them what they're asking for. So that way you're not imposing your will on their future decisions, you know, in starting over in whatever direction that may be. Who gets to stay at the gym when you both work out and there's a breakup? (sighs) Gym drama. Yes, we have had some of this at South Bay. Um, Honestly, all of the couples that have come and gone um, still work out at the gym. I don't know if it's just our gym environment um, or what. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it would have to be like a super bad breakup to the point where you don't even want to see that person where you would change gyms. But I do feel like in 2020, we're in an environment that there's so many gyms available that like, if you really needed to fuck off and go somewhere else, you could fuck off and go somewhere else. Now, if you are a conjugate powerlifter and you have a conjugate powerlifting gym and your partner just, you know, does CrossFit, then maybe that's an easy decision. They could be like, Hey, you need to fuck off. Cause this is my space and you can go find a fucking CrossFit hole and die in it. So I don't really know the answer to that question. It's kind of hard. How hard is it for you to be veggie while he isn't? thinking of making the switch. So this has never been an issue in um, this relationship with Steven. Steven is very, uh, he loves to eat vegetarian with me. He's never once like tried to convince me to switch or eat meat or anything like that. So it's not even something that I think of. Um, uh, Going grocery shopping right now, we order all of our groceries. So it's not like I have to go shopping and pick out meat. (laughs) We used to go grocery shopping together and we would just make a list of what he needs and what I need. And it's no big deal. If there's a restaurant that we are planning to go to and there's not really an acceptable menu for me to choose, we just don't go there. So it's it's nice in that he's very accommodating to my needs as being a vegetarian. Now, in the past, my ex-husband, not that... So I transitioned into becoming a vegetarian while we were together. And yes, he gave me like a lot of fucking hoop de ha about it. But I will say I lived in the Midwest and there is a little bit more of a stigma, you know, about mama and potatoes back in all half. So it, it rather than being in California where, you know, and now as, you know, back, I think I did in what, 2012, um, things have changed in people's mindsets about being plant-based. So that makes it a lot easier, but he would fucking piss me off all the time and like do stupid shit. Like we would go to restaurants where I couldn't eat and he didn't care because that's where he wanted to go. And he would make fucking briskets and this and that and what the fuck ever. But I think it just speaks to the caliber of person that I was with that at the end of the day, he wasn't my chosen partner for several reasons. And that is one of them. Um, I do know other couples who it's, you know, kind of been an issue, but again, I think that speaks to a level of emotional intelligence that it, it takes a bigger person to realize that although these may not be my chosen beliefs and standards, that it's not anything that's wrong, you know, for someone else to have those. And that's why I hate Republicans. So I'll end on that. 
wearing earplugs to get enough sleep because your partner is a snore monster. I already talked about that. Uh, How about finding someone who understands the sport, to date someone who understands the sport? So I I dipped into this a little bit. Um, I honestly think if you're with someone who doesn't understand the sport, help them. Take them, you know, if you're a powerlifter, take them to a fucking meet and be like, this is what I do. What do you think? You know, teach them about it. If you're a bodybuilder, you know, collect all of your dollars, like, you know, withdraw your entire bank account to take them to a fucking bodybuilding show. And then, you know, be like, yeah, we're fucking broke, but look at these dudes in their underwear. It's great. So, you know, help them find a level that maybe, maybe they don't see eye to eye with you, but maybe try to find something that they can connect with, whether it's like, oh, I really like the fact that after you go weigh in, you can go fucking eat whatever you want and that's fucking cool. You know, maybe there's an element to it that they can identify with and that's a way to get them in to it. Um, you know, have find a mock meet, find a push-pull party, find something that's exciting in your sport and bring your partner into it and see and be like, this is why I fucking love it. Uh, like Steven tells me all the time, so I make fun of bodybuilding voraciously, obviously, but um, the community of bodybuilding is fucking terrible. It's definitely a pageant mentality where it's an eye for an eye. Fuck you. I ain't helping you. This is about me and I'm number one and that's it. Whereas powerlifting community is so different. It's like, oh, you're fucking, you don't have a strap. Here's mine. Your shoe broke. Here's mine. Like cheering for someone that's in your fucking weight class. That's trying to go for the gold, just like you are. It's, it's a very different community, very much like CrossFit in that you guys, it's a team sport. Even though you're on the platform alone, you didn't get there by yourself. And Steven has even attested many times about how much more fun it is to hang out with a group of powerlifters than it ever would be a group of douchebags. How to handle mood swings when you're just, when they're happening it, but you just can't fucking stop. I honestly, so honestly being in therapy has helped me with this. So the, the more I get over my eating disorder, so my therapist is an eating disorder specialist, but she also has other elements to her, you know, her, what is, it's not teaching to her therapy, whatever. Um, and we talk about a lot about, you know, different aspects of my personality and things I'd like to change or improve and, you know, just like enhancing myself to be a better person who can walk through this world and help others and just be calm, cool, and collect and be that person that I want to fucking be. And honestly, she's kind of like my little life coach at this point. So, um, taking that moment of reflection is fucking huge. And when you're on gear, it's really, really, really hard to do that. But I keep telling myself this and I'm practicing it a lot while I'm off gear. So it helps me create that, um, mentality so that it becomes automatic for when I'm on gear is like, how much does this really matter? So I'm fucking pissed about the dishes. I asked Steven to do the dishes two days ago, and I'm not doing them out of fucking spite because he said he would do them, so it's his fucking job, so I'm fucking mad. And every hour that goes by, my fucking radar is just going, ding, 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 you're pissed. That's actually on care. So, you know, stop, reflect. Does this really fucking matter? Will I be mad about this in two weeks from now? One year from now, will I remember that this even happened? So if the answer to those questions are no, then you just need to fucking drop it and let it fucking go. Does getting mad about this really change the outcome? No. 
would it have just been easier if the moment I got mad about the dishes, if I just did it in self, myself? Yes, because then the problem would have gone away. So it's swallowing that ego and really asking yourself the deeper questions of how much does this really fucking matter? So practice it while you're off gear and then it'll help when you're on. <laughs> when you both are on gear, what's the dynamic? How does it change your relationship? I definitely talked about that. How do you not want to kill each other when you're both on prep? Um, like I said, we really try not to prep together. And honestly, like at the end of the day, I'm kind of like talking about a lot of the bad things. I'm, I'm very much taking the highlights, but overall things are really good. And I think, you know, just like any relationship, if you add some kind of stressor, so in this case, it's prepping for meat. In another case, it's adding you know, performance-enhancing drugs. You're adding stressors to a relationship. You can insert many different stressors, losing a job, trouble with finances, a death in the family, you know, um, going through a divorce and, you know, going through like alimony or, you know, going through court and trying to figure out, you know, custody and things like that. Add any of those stressors and it adds a different layer to your relationship that could, you know, change the dynamic and make things harder. This, for example, is like something that's self-chosen. It's not, you know, a death. It's something that you're choosing to do, but that doesn't give you the self-righteous entitlement to say, well, then that shouldn't fucking matter, but it does. And just because you're choosing to do that doesn't make it any easier. But all in all, the foundation of your relationship prior to, you know, going through prep or getting on performance enhancing drugs and things like that, your relationship should, you know having the communication and being open and things like that is at the end of the day, what makes your relationship successful. So although Steven and I may have ebbs and flows of more difficult times when one of us is prepping or on gear at the end of the day, we fucking love the shit out of each other. And by God, what we want most is for the other one to succeed. So even though it may create riffraff and fights, like at the end of the day, we get over it because the ultimate goal is for me, for him to be successful. And for him, it's for me to be successful. And for us, it's for us to go together. Let's talk about the moments when you want to work out with them versus the moments that you don't. Um, I would say that I don't really experience this. There's like not really a time where I'm like, I want to fucking go to the gym without Steven. Like honestly, um, before I really, really got serious into powerlifting and before we had our own gym, Steven and I used to work out together all the time. Um, like we would do the same workouts and then I got a coach and then I did my own shit and whatever. But I miss those days so much and like we actually talk and reminisce about how excited we both are for when his programming kind of changes and we can do workouts together because that's fun and it's bonding and like I really miss working out with him a lot. How do I get a girlfriend though? So I know this person is joking, but I do want to address this topic. Um, Listen, dudes, the last thing a fucking girl wants is for you to A, stare at her. B, approach her. C, think she wants to be fucking hit on at the gym, period, paragraph, end of discussion. Now, is there times where people meet at the gym? Yes. Is it a great place to meet someone who has a really common interest as you? Yes. But the first thing they want is you approaching them and be like, hey girl, what's up? You got nice fucking little shorts, blah, blah, blah. No. Let it happen organically as if you met at the fucking grocery store. Okay, a chick is not there. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's chicks that are, but in my experience, I've never met a woman that feels comfortable being approached by a man at a gym in any kind of sexualized way. Whether it's like, oh, you're cute or oh, whatever. Now, if a dude came up to me and was like, fucking sick squats at, I'd be like, fuck yeah, that's right, bitch. Like, that's cool, but that's about it. 
How do you stay out of each other's training and nutrition? Uh, Let's talk nutrition. So having different nutrition goals can be difficult, but I think this is where people like the blame card. So Stephen and I, for example, a lot of the times are in very, very, very different nutritional plans. I'm not just talking about him eating meat and me not. I am talking about one of us being in caloric surplus and one of us being in caloric deficit. When you want to blame your partner for your inability to stay on your said nutrition plan because of your partner's choices, that's a you problem. If your partner is the one that does all the cooking and they are quote unquote not cooking towards your needs, that's a you problem. You need to figure out how to make your own food. You need to figure out like your nutrition should be something that you are responsible for, like getting yourself dressed in the morning, the food you put in your mouth. You're not a baby. You're not an invalid. You can make those choices. You know, whether it's you need to, if your partner goes grocery shopping for you and you don't feel like the groceries that you need are available, maybe you need to make your own specific list and help your partner get the choices that you need. So, you know, the, my partner's sabotaging my diet because they're eating brownies in front of me. Well, that's a you problem. Now, granted, I have spoke to this before that I don't like having certain trigger foods for me in the house because of my history of eating disorder. That also can translate to people who don't have an eating disorder. Like when you're on a fucking cut and there's a pizza in front of you, it's pretty hard not to eat the goddamn fucking pizza. But that's when you can ask your partner like, hey, I know that you don't have any dietary restrictions right now. Like obviously you wouldn't talk this nice because you'd be pissed because they're eating fucking pizza. Like bitch, I know you're eating that motherfucking pizza. You know I want that fucking pizza. Why don't you just get the fuck rid of that pizza? So just hide it whatever, go give it to the homeless, go give it to your brother, eat what you need to eat, and then get the fuck out of here because I can't have it. If you love me, you'll do that. So that's all I got to say about that. What's the deal with making curated Instagram couples post and how do you come up with ideas? Well, Steven and I do not uh, make curated posts. We do them spontaneous in the moment. I tried to get him to do more totally nudes, but lately he hasn't been as down for it. And I think it's because he's so big, it's hard for him to get his clothes off. Um, I don't know. I mean, Instagram world is fucking weird. Like people do weird shit. I don't know. Lately, I've just been trying to focus more on like what I'm doing than what anybody else does. I mean, sometimes the shit is like fucking funny, but I feel like, so when Steven and I used to do like a lot of posting, like on Fridays, we used to do who did it better and Tuesdays totally nude. It was like fun. Like honestly, like it was like, not like a date night, but it was like an activity that we kind of both look forward to doing, but we would think of them in the moment. So I don't know. Is, what is there to argue about when you both have same interests and similar goals? Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe approach to those set interests or goals, but you know, for the most part, I would say that's, that's happy land. Shared fitness goals are awesome. Yes, they are. Um, Both people being on gear at the same time and managing all the feelings. I definitely talk about that. How to stay on track when your partner has different goals. Example, you're on a cut and he's bulking. That's a you problem. Just fucking look out for number one. Your food is something you control. And your partner does not control what you put in your mouth and vice versa. How do you both prioritize goals effectively when they're different? Definitely talked about those. Um, But again, emotional intelligence, having respect for those person's goals, whether they're different or not from yours. 
It makes me feel guilty for going to the gym without my partner. So that can suck. So say you guys both are into the gym, but your schedules are different. So you can't go together, which makes, you know, that shared passion that you have very different. Um, so before the gym opened, Steven and I used to do gym dates. Now, granted, we would always, well, there was a time when I would go to the gym in the morning before work and he would go to the gym in the evening, um, several times throughout our relationship. And it kind of sucked, uh, because, you know, we're both at the gym for several hours. So in the morning, it wasn't as big of a deal because I would go before work, but in the evening he'd be at the gym and, you know, I'd be at home like, this fucking sucks. Like I love the gym and he's there without me. (laughs) But what we would do on the weekends is we would go on gym dates. So living in Los Angeles, there's a lot of great gyms that I thought were also amazing on Instagram. And then I went to them and I was like, what? But, um, we would drive, you know, two, three hours. Sometimes we would get an Airbnb and stay in an area that we knew that there was a cool gym that we wanted to visit, um, plan some hikes, things like that. Like we went to this gym called Juggernauts. It was like two and a half hours away. We like went on this cool ass hike. We brought the dogs. We asked if we could bring the dogs to the gym and like, so like shit like that. And then that made those times more meaningful and like this very fun and special activity that we got to enjoy and do together, even though at that time our schedules were not necessarily, you know, matching up with going to the gym on the regular. Best advice for a significant other who competes, but the partner does not. So this person in specific is talking about bodybuilding. I mean, I don't know. I mean, hopefully your first competition, like maybe you're, you know, just dating. And when you're dating someone versus being married or living with someone, there is a layer of distance that can create an amazing barrier where not necessarily you get to hide aspects of your personality, but those very stressful times and situations that come into bodybuilding prep aren't as necessarily as apparent as when you're living with that person. For example, when Steven and I first started dating, um, Right after we started dating, he got into prep for his first bodybuilding show. So for the first four months of our relationship, we were long distance and he was in prep. And I remember I was in Arizona and we would Skype and there was like a one hour time difference sometimes. And, you know, he'd go to the gym and he called me after and it was like, you know, we had our own little worlds, but he was living his and I was living in mine and it was great. And then I moved in with him and he was like a month out. And I was like, what kind of fucking decision did I just make? This is terrible. He's a fucking crazy person. He's so hungry. Give him a Snickers. Um, But then we got over it. (laughs) And we learned a lot about each other. So I do feel like it's a good and a bad thing that a lot of facets of your personality can come out. And that can either be really good or really bad. And it can show you whether or not that person is willing to accept you for all of those facets. And that may include some very intense emotional times when you're going for something that's that important to you. So I think that can attest to that person's willingness to, you know, until death do us part or what the fuck ever. But really see you for who you are because if that's something that's that important to you, that is who you fucking are. So just tell them to buckle up and, you know, be along for the ride, chap. Well, that's all the questions that I have. This I'm at one hour, 10 minutes. This has been a very amazing podcast. And I really love this topic because I, you know, I love weightlifting is like in my fucking blood. And I could not be with someone who wasn't as passionate about the sport as I was. Maybe 20 years from now, we will both be into like fucking tandem cycling 
like it's our fucking sport. But to have that extremist personality and to share that with someone else and to see, you know, my husband be so passionate about a sport, even though it's like taking his body to some really fucked up places right now that fucking suck for both of us. Ultimately, there's a goal and I have his back 100%. And sometimes I bitch about it and whatever. And you know what? Wait, let me say this. You need a cheerleader. Everybody needs a cheerleader. And that's totally fucking okay. You need that best friend that you can call and you can say, hey, this is super fucked up and I need to unload all of these feelings that I'm feeling about my partner and blah, blah, blah. And you know what they're going to say? Girl, you fucking right. Girl, that's fucking right. Girl, what did he do? What the fuck is he talking about? Like, that's fucking crazy. You should feel that way. That's super fucked up. And then you know what? And then everything's fine. And that person doesn't judge you for saying the things you said because... Everybody, you know, you, maybe you can talk to your dog like that, whatever you want. But, you know, I have that person in my life, my best friend, Marissa, like if I'm feeling high, feeling low, she's there for me. And, you know, sometimes just having a release of having a best friend to go to is excellent. And, but at the end of the day, I am so happy to be with someone who shares so passionately the love for the iron like I do. That is probably the gayest shit I've ever said in my life. On that note, thank you guys for listening. And I will be back soon talking about those boundaries, y'all. Peace out.